The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, the looking chilly with all that fur, which surprises me. It is cold here. And I did not know this window was open, and I hate you for that, because <laughs> I'm over here, my feet are icicles. <laughs> Hi you know everybody. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that it was open either, to be honest. And I kept on wondering, why, why? is it so fucking cold I here? Know. I mean, I got the heater on and all that shit. Well then the heat register's right underneath the window, so I'm pretty sure your lucky bill's gonna be sky high this month. Oh, it was last month too. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. That, <laughs> now and knowing's half the battle. That's what G.I. Joe says. Yeah, exactly. Well then I think it's funny because <laughs> you always have because your cat comes in and out of your room, bedroom window. Right. So you have it kind of like just cardboard there and everything. I'm telling people how to break into your house now. Anyways <laughs> I ain't gotta worry, man. Like I said before, I've got like hardcore heroin dealers that live I know, on right, like the right corner <laughs> that are huge twisted blue fans. And I found that out because somebody did try to break into my house and they stopped me and they informed me that they stopped the young men from breaking into my house. Well, there you go. And, uh, you know, then they offered to supply me with any drugs that I need to. But we have a lot of heroin. That, that's great. <laughs> well, hey, now we know where to go when Jake, when the intern drives us nuts. <laughs> no shit, huh? <laughs> no, but I was thinking, because, you know, because you were, at, normally your overnight is Thursday to Friday. Well, because of the snow and, you know, you getting stuck on Sandy Boulevard. <laughs> oh, yeah. You didn't go out till Friday over Saturday. And, and it's weird. I didn't even see any of your coworkers out there. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was trying to gloss over this real quickly. <laughs> you just kept going. But I saw the sleazy hotels. <laughs> like, oh, now I know what she's talking about. Okay. Anyways, so it's like, so I came over because, you know, we had to do the Keith call yesterday and record the Keith call. So I came over and spent the night on Friday night. And it's like, I got up and I was like, your room is kind of cold. And so I turned on the heat and shut the door. Within five minutes, it was a hot box in there. Yeah. I'm no. Like, Holy cow. So I ended up turning it down before I left. That's why the heat's barely ever on in my room. Like, literally, the, yeah. the good thing about this place is even if the windows are open, if yeah. I turn the heater on, like in my living room, for some reason, my room gets stifling hot. I was going to say, your room, yeah, kind of like boxes in the heat and the cold, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you I'm going to get my pilot's license, by the way? Oh, Lord, why? Why, oh, Lord? Oh, my God. That hurts my feelings. Never mind. Forget no, it. I want to hear why. Well, because I've been walking and farting so much, I self-identify as a crop duster. You know what? I've heard the joke. You told this at the show. <laughs> I did. I, I told Jake yeah. that. I remember that. No, you said in front of my. You told it to my son. Oh, because <laughs> we because <said>, <laughs> we had talked about how every time you walk by the intern sitting on the couch, you go hashtag crop dusting. <laughs> I so and I got okay. Sorry, I got a story for our listeners. Um, <laughs> it's not even about crop dusting. It's no. a little bastard who's in his room sleeping right now because he stays up all fucking night. Um, so <laughs> yesterday, I'm driving back from Eastern Oregon. Yep. And uh, and you and I are talking, and you're like, well, I did your dishes, and I put them away. Well, that's that little bastard's job, man. He, he's not even right, working. Right. <laughs> so I'm all pissed. I'm going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with him. God damn it. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So I come home, and he's in the bathroom. All right, that's cool. I make myself a sandwich. I'm sitting behind my desk. I'm doing some work, you know, because God forbid any of us get a fucking day off. I know, except right? for like, I take one off every like once a month. I took a nap yesterday afternoon, and I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> And he comes out, and I'm ready. You're like both guns, right? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> then he barrels. puts the, he, he comes up behind me, he puts his arms around me, and I go, oh, fuck. And what? He goes, well, I missed you. 
and I know that you were concerned about me because okay, so because of the snowstorm yes. that we had here in Portland, yes, um, Jake had to stay at someone else's house, right. And then catch, like, buses and shit like that to get home instead of just catching one straight bus from uh, where he was doing the... Uh, training, yeah. Yeah, we, he was doing his training for his new job. Um, so he was gone for a couple of days, and then, you know, but he had, And I missed you. You little motherfucker. I know. Now you can't even be mad. No, I know I'm, like, totally disarmed after that. I'm like, well, fuck it. I don't... Burn yeah. the house down. Who cares? Well, and because he, you know, he was gone when I came over on Friday, you know, we sat and talked for a while, and then... Before I went in and go to bed, he goes, can I get a hug? And I'm like, okay. You know, because you know I'm not a hugger, but still. He was like, he looks so innocent. Well, he's getting so much better. I got I to gotta say yeah, that. He, you is, know, fucking, he is getting better. Like last night, I told him like after he made dinner, because I wasn't, I wasn't cooking. I was just too damn tired. Um, I said, hey, before Squatch comes over, because we're starting early in the morning, you need to have that kitchen clean, because she cleaned it. Oh, yeah. And, it's, and so that wasn't done. And so I knocked on his door. I said, hey, but I tell you, before she gets here. And here it is. It's after midnight. And she's here. And she's here. And uh, he goes, oh, shit. He goes, I'm sorry. I forgot. And he tried immediately told his friends, I got to go take care of some shit. And then he made cookies. Yeah, I know. I woke up and there were cookies. So now you can't be little, mad again. Because he makes really bastard. good cookies. He does, man. He's getting good at cooking and all kinds of shit. He makes really good cookies. And I'm worried about the kids in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, he's trying to lure the them into my basement. I know. <laughs> the one through that pipe thing in your backyard. I still don't know what that's for. It scares me. It scares me, too. Hey, did I ever tell you what a, what a pedophile and a clock have in common? Keep going. They both what? don't go past 12. <laughs> yeah, I know. You told me that one the other day, too. Yeah, see, I can't remember shit. Okay, so now we're at the final uh, episode. Yes, we're doing the part three of... Part three of Movies that inspire yeah. murder. That inspire murder. Well, I've noticed it in our Facebook group, Citizens of Brutal Nation. This has actually gotten quite a bit of traction as far as our chat group goes. Right, because you know. there's, there, there's several trains of thought. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, it's actually controversial in my own mind. And let me tell oh, you me why. Me too. Because the logical side of me, knowing how I am and loving horror movies, I'm not watching like Nightmare on Elm Street or or. Uh, Friday the 13th or anything like that, right. thinking, I have to murder people. Right. You're not watching natural born killers thinking, I'm going to go freaking meet a heroin junkie chick and, you know, tear the Midwest. Right. <laughs> you know, on my way down to, you know, where, to bumfuck Egypt. Yeah, um, exactly. But on the other hand, I sit there and, I, and the, the psychologist side of me. Right. The psychology side. Right. Sits there and thinks, well, everybody has different stimuli that make them do different things, whether it's uh, something that's a violent act or something that is not a violent act. Right. Um, you know, for example, if we if we take the violence out of it and we say, like, sexual stimuli. Okay. You know, I've got weird fucked up fetishes. Okay, yes. yes. And you went silently, oh, here we go. We're going to go down that road, huh? Yeah, we are. No, well, I was going to say, yes, I, and it's not really, I don't think they're, like, always a fetish, but you have weird porn search habits? No, no, no. I have actual weird fetishes. Oh, okay. Like oh, my, no, yeah, I know. You've told me a couple of them. One of my weird ones for our listeners is, and I don't know why, there's no catalyst behind it. There's something about watching a woman wash dishes in soapy water by hand with no gloves on. Now we all know how to... Now we all know how to like entice you, don't we? Yeah, it's <laughs> Seduce, a, seduction of Scott 101. <laughs> it's the weirdest fucking thing. Every yeah. wife I've ever had, every girlfriend I've ever had who has been, even if they're just 
you know, kind of trying to scrub something free so they can put it into the dishwasher. I see that, and automatically, I'm like, showing. I'm like, grabbing ass, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm trying to wash dishes. Yeah, and I'm trying to um, put it in your personal dishwasher. That's right. Well, you know, yeah, because it's, and it's not even, not even with the gloves or anything. Like, the, remember the yellow gloves? Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. no, it's like that, I can kind of see that. I can kind of see that, because there is kind of a. It's a known fact that like soapy water is like a sexual stimulant because you know you think of it as a clean skin. You know what I mean? That makes sense. You know, and your subconscious views it as a cleaning, and you know, so there's something sensual about it. I think another really, I think the other reason is because I, okay, so with everything in my life, okay, one thing that I still am, and it's going to sound weird to everybody, but let me explain, is I still have some old fashioned ideologies in my head oh yeah and I, i'm i'm really trying not to be sexist this time it's just it's just the way my brain thinks there's something about women doing housework right and right. i do housework myself yeah but it's something about watching women being very domestic right that makes me sit there and go that's freaking hot like yeah. I'm, one, I'm one step away from growing a, a freaking amish beard <laughs> and uh and sitting there going, come here, Betty Lou, it's time to well, make some babies. Mary, you have to, like, shave it around your mouth and, like, long beard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But you exactly. can't you can't grow the beard until you're married. Did you not know that? I didn't know that, really? Yes. Amish men do not have beards until they're married. Get the hell. So yeah. it's kind of like the Indian chicks with the, with, yeah, with, with yeah, the dot yeah. in their head. Yeah. See, I always thought is it that the dots in the middle of women's head was oh, so the women God. could reset them. Like, they get mouthy, they push it, and they reset. You know it's what? Like, I'm going to reset you. Oh, my God. See, that's... A, <laughs> But I learned. I learned. I learned my lesson on that because I pressed that button a lot of times, and she did not reset. <laughs> she hit you. <laughs> she was mad. Oh yeah. She's like, "What are you doing? I would beat you with a slurpy machine." I hate you. <laughs> you are so horrible. But no, I mean, so I, I kind of get that, and I do notice. I mean, because somebody asked me too one time, because you know we had talked about. I can't remember if it was on this show or the Scotty and Squatch show. Probably Scotty and Squatch when we talked about because we talked about first dates. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. We Weirdest about, first dates. Worst first dates. Yeah, yeah, and you had talked about how, you know, you really cannot stand to go to a restaurant with a skinny bitch because she'll just order a salad and everything. Yeah, And that's then you exactly talked about how you always pay. And somebody goes, but why does he? I said, you know, because he's like old-fashioned like that. But not only that, he doesn't expect people to take care of him, you know? Exactly. Well, the, the, there's a progression to the pay. Scale, right. Okay. And it kind of goes like this. The first few dates, I pay. Right. Okay. Order whatever you want. It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter if we're at a Denny's or if we're at a freaking five-star Michelin star freaking restaurant where every plate is a thousand dollars a plate. I will pay if, if I'm taking you there. Right. That means it's within my financial means. Right. To do it, and that doesn't matter if we're having sex afterwards, if the date is good, if it's bad. That's inconsequential. If right. I'm taking you there, it's because. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, and this is where I want to go. <laughs> right. And one thing that is super offensive to me, and this is exactly why I don't date models anymore, because yeah. I've dated plenty of them, is, as I ran into this too many times, you know, you're at a nice place, you're at a nice steakhouse, man. Now, the word here is, the words here are steakhouse, a house of steak. <laughs> It's self-explanatory. Not, it's not. It's not freaking sweet tomatoes. <laughs> it's not the vegan grill. The veggie grill. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not like it's a veggie buffet. It's not skinny bitch land. <laughs> 
you know, just because <laughs> they it, have a salad bar at TGI Fridays does not make it a salad place. Right. You know, so I, yeah. I, we, we, you know, you go in and like I said, it's probably happened to me at least, I'd say more than 10 times. Right. And I go in there with an expectation. I'm like, I know what I'm going to get here, man. They got a porterhouse that's freaking to die for. I'm going to get like a loaded baked potato. And God dang, they got this vegetable medley that they freaking saute. It's amazing. All right. Yeah. That's what I'm going to get. And then I always let the lady order first. And they look at the menu for like three hours. <laughs> Can't make a decision. <laughs> yeah. You know, meanwhile, I'm sitting there and there's, there, there's sounds coming from my body. <laughs> That I don't enjoy. Hey, I know those sounds. Yeah. My stomach makes them when I have coffee. <laughs> it's the sound of the mighty Sasquatch is what it is. Because when Sasquatches make that sound, shit's about to be ready to go down. Like a deer is going to die. If there's campers or hikers, that yeah. camper or hiker is screwed. You know, I saw Sasquatch and it ate my baby. You know what? Then how does that make sense? Because you're... Your first ex-wife has the same stomach sounds I do when I drink coffee. She's not a Sasquatch. <laughs> no, she does now because that's because she had bariatric surgery. Right, that's why I have mine. Too. Or the sleep. Yeah. She had. She has the sleep. Um, but yeah, no. But yeah, yeah. So I go in there with an expectation. If you're reading the damn menu for that damn long, I'm assuming you're making good choices that will complement <laughs> mine. So I'm assuming, and every freaking time, this is what I get. With, you know, people who do, you know, and it's not just fashion models and runway models and things like that, but, you know, magazine models. Um, you know, I get, okay, so Scotty, Scotty, honey. I'm like, what? <laughs> because as soon as you start saying that, my mood's changed. I went from like, I'm in a good mood. I'm going to be picking out. But what? <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> so I have a photo shoot next week. So I got to watch my calorie intake. So I think I'm going to take... Um, a side salad with just, if I can get, just get a hint of vinaigrette dressing on there, just for a little bit of flavor. <laughs> and no carrots, okay? Okay, maybe maybe just one little scrape of carrot. And, and maybe one small slice of cucumber. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, okay, you're ordering your side salad. I'm like, what do you, you know, and, and, uh. You know, the waiter will be, okay, madame, what do you want for your main course? That's all I'm going to have. <laughs> now, let me tell you how, how, how much my, my attitude changes, okay? It goes from this. It goes from, I am going to bang the hell out of this chick to you fucking twat. <laughs> I'm going to bang the hell out of this chick to, I want to murder you right yeah, it's like, now. I, we're not making it out of the restaurant. Why? I'm going to kill this bitch. With my steak knife. <laughs> yeah, with the steak knife. Because... Then they turn to me, and they're thinking, I'm going to make a similar decision. I'm like, oh, no. I say nay-nay. I came in here hungry. I haven't eaten for most of the day. I'm ready for this. I'll take the 20-ounce uh, uh, porterhouse steak and a load of baked potato, tons of vegetables, and this is everything that I want. And you know what? Leave a bottle of bourbon. And I will start with the side salad. Yeah, then, and I'm going to start with the side salad, but I want the one that has everything on it. You throw some bacon. You throw half a pig on there. Um, you know You know what? If you can, kill one of the cooks in the back. Throw them on there, too. I'll eat them. That's right. I will start with the side salad, and I won't end. Yeah, and then I'll pick whatever dressing that they have for the day, because normally at higher-end places, yeah. you know, they, they make two or three different dressings. I, they, all of them have a vinaigrette. Right. Um, and then usually, you know, it's uh, like a, maybe like a, some kind of like a, a sweet mustard or, or something yeah. like that. So I'll, I'll choose yeah. whatever a, uh, dressing is appropriate. 
yeah. and boom, I'm good to go. Now, as soon as I do that, because you do, you think that people at high-end restaurants that are there for meetings are talking to themselves and other people? No, they're, they're listening. And they yeah. And all the eyes will turn around and go, oh, my God, what a freaking pig. He's, like, making her starve to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's ordering, like, half the restaurant. <laughs> and, oh, my God, is that a whole cow they're bringing out to him? Jesus And she Christ. just gets a piece of lettuce. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, she's, like, nibbling on the lettuce like a starving bunny. Like, it's my fault. I told, I, I told every woman, order what the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. If you want a hot lava cake, if you want the fucking, if you want a steak that's bigger than my, than, 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 than my ass, order it. <laughs> I'll pay. It's fine. Right. Right. No, I get it. I mean, no, I totally get it. Because, you know, but, you know, I remember that one time when we had that business dinner over at Billigan's. Is that what it's called? Oh, Billigan's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're like, just order what you want. And I, I'm thinking, okay, but I can't eat that much at one time. <laughs> right. So I've told you though, before it's like, you know, I can order it, but I'll eat it like for the next three days. <laughs> that makes but sense. But you knew that. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, and a matter of fact, if somebody made a movie about that shit that I just described, it would inspire me to murder. <laughs> right. I, I know. I would watch that in the back. You know what? That's a good idea. I'm going to go kill bitches. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to go sharpen my knives and make a glove now. <laughs> dang right. I'm going to be hiding out in the high-end restaurants going, oh, that bitch only ordered a salad. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I'm going to make eye contact with the poor guy who's sitting there trying to eat his steak in peace <laughs> while everybody's whispering, that fat pig over there. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll catch his eye. I'll be like, I got you, brother. I got you. And I'll stab her. I, I swear to God, if I watch the movie, I'll be like, I'm going to stab this bitch. Wow. That is crazy. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Uh, we're, we're pretty far into the we get a we rabbit hole are, here. But you know what? What we're talking about actually kind of like makes sense in a roundabout way. Because today we're going to talk about how um, what causes kind of like, you know, what in our biology can, you know, can cause us people to go out and mimic murders, right? Watching mimic, movies yeah. about bitches who always right side, there you go, right there. order side salads at a nice restaurant. <laughs> right? That's what causes it. That's right. That's what it is. But actually, there has been recent research in the field of molecular biology that says as an evolutionary strategy, humans actually are programmed to mimic others. You know, and a, a lady by the name of Sandra Blakesley actually wrote an article for it in the New York Times. Um, researchers noticed this phenomenon approximately 15, 20 years ago in Italy. Um, what they did was is they, they hooked a monkey up to wire. Because, you know, they figure a primate is as close to a human as a Oh, my God. Right? There's so many black jokes I can make. <laughs> Anyways, shut up. They put wires in monkeys, you know, hooked a monkey's brain up to wire so they can monitor his brain waves. Right? Right. And then that way, they, whenever he made a motion or manipulated an object, they could figure out what part of his brain was working. Well, then they did the same thing to a graduate student. And they put them, like, across from each other. And the graduate student, you know, and the monkey started, you know, manipulating things and everything. And the graduate student's brain started reacting, like, in anticipation of what the monkey was going to do. Right? Okay. And then what happened was they noticed that in this case, if the student was lifting an ice cream cone to its mouth, the monkey would lift its hand like it was eating the ice cream cone. I'm surprised it took them that long to realize that because if you think about it, if you look at childhood development. Right. Children do the same thing to us. Right. So, for example, like, let's let's talk the basics. Let's, let's talk language skills. Right. Language skills are learned by your children right. watching and hearing what you're doing 
So, you know, we speak English, and if we're speaking to our children in English, the words that they re- re- reply back, like when, when the first time a baby says mama or daddy, right? they don't know what that word means yet. But they get a reaction out of you. They know they're going to get a reaction, and they know that is a word that you right. are using with them. You know, can you say mama? Right. Can you exactly. say daddy? You know, so they they know those those words. Right. They they, they know how to they, they they start developing how to make the, it's it's mimicry, you know, and uh, it goes along with like the violent behaviors, for example. Um, you know, I was raised in a very violent household. Right. So, uh, growing up, I mimicked that the violence. violence yes. Um, not necessarily because I wanted to. But because it offered up catharsis. Right, right. And that's how I was taught to deal with problems. Right. Um, now I'm not violent. Well, I am, but I'm not. I, it's well controlled. Um, because the violence really doesn't ever go away. But it's well controlled because I've taken classes and I've you know managed to. You haven't hit me yet. Oh, it's coming close. <laughs> Order a side salad when we're at a nice place. Having a meeting. <laughs> you see what happens. Oh, yeah. Sky's going to be doing some jail time. <laughs> No, I mean, and it's true because the guy who actually um, led this study out of the University of Parma, his name was Giacomo Rizzolati. What in the hell kind of goddamn blender-ass name That's is that? That's Italian. Giacomo. G-I-A-C-O-M-O Rizzolati. R-I-Z-Z-O-L-A-T-T-I. That's not a real name. Let's nuclear. We need to nuclearly. No, no, we can't. Never mind. My, one of my favorite luthiers is there, so oh. they get a pass. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he actually led the research study on this um, to determine what was happening in the brain of the monkey and the human as they watched each other's behavior. They both listened to hip-hop. <laughs> No, dude. I love hip-hop. So, actually, hip-hop, you don't, I mean, I know I've told you this, but I really love gangster rap when I have road rage. Because I can, like, blast up my gangster rap and cuss and yell at people. My favorite is Ludacris's move, bitch. <laughs> but, yeah, because it's like, it gets my aggression out without me running into somebody. So, anyway. Then why do you, why do you diss my awesome raps with my, by the way, guys, I have a new posse. It's not just, it's just not obscenely white and notorious P.I.G., we found Gangsta Goat <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah. Whatever, dude. Did you read the card that I put on your gift bag? No, I didn't. No, I was like, half. Need, it's on the handle of the gift bag. You need to read it. It's funnier and shit. I will hear I, it shortly. It's just a to and from, but it's funny. Yeah, um, I, I didn't even notice it because like, when, when, when I saw the gift bag on my desk, like when I got up at like, I don't know, like midnight or one in the morning or whatever. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was like stupid, 1130 when I came over. So Stupid ass time I got up. I'm looking at go. What the hell's on my desk? Yeah. Right, so I had to grab my glasses because I can't see shit because I'm getting <laughs> older than dirt. I'm like, what the fuck? And I reached inside and she got me. So at the I last did. show, this, and then we'll get on. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> they didn't have double espresso vodka, which is fine. Nobody has that. Yeah, nobody has that except for Vail Vodka, which is the house brand for Total Wine and Spirits. In Vancouver. In Vancouver. Well, mm-hmm. I, it might be at the other ones, too. I would, oh, I, would I don't know. But um, any Hoosies, but they did have caramel vodka. So I can't remember who got who picked it up for me. But I, I think Don went and got it. Yeah, I think Don went and got it for me. And I'm all sweet. And oh it, my god, it is so sweet. You can drink. I bet you that fifth will be gone within two days with you because it's two? like you don't even know you're drinking it. Bullshit! You don't know what you're talking about. That fifth's gonna be gone by today. <laughs> Load me up right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'm looking at the time right now. Going, it's a little early. You shouldn't be day drinking. And I'm like, ah, you, you know, know what? what? It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> like, fuck it. 
I'll drunk drive. I don't care. It's icy outside. <laughs> What's yeah. the worst that can happen? I got insurance. That's right. But anyway, so it seems that the same brain cells fire during the observational behavior as during the act itself. You know, so if you're acting and everything, you're using the same neurons in your head that, you know, you would be doing if you're watching somebody do it. So he actually identified this class of neurons and cells as mirror neurons. And by that, he meant that certain cells in the brain start processing when someone sees or hears an action that its own body can perform. And this, his research paper was actually published in 1996. So, however, more recently, research indicates that mirror neurons in humans are both intelligent and flexible, which means they're constantly evolving. Um, in fact... Humans have, quote, multiple mirror systems that specialize in carrying out and understanding not just the actions of others, but their intentions, the social meaning of their behavior and their emotions. Though these neurons grasp the implications of the behavior via direct stimulation. And so the person fully experiences another person's behavior rather than just contemplating it when they're watching it happen. Does that make sense? It do. It do. You know, and it's, I think it's kind of weird because... I mean, I mean, I guess they use this in commercials a lot because it's like, when do they put in food commercials? Like for like Arby's and Jack in the Box and Carl's Jr. and stuff like that during football games and stuff because guys go, oh, I'm hungry. I see somebody eat. I'm hungry. Well, you it's know? not only that. The, 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 the thing that, that I've learned with marketing and things like that is number one, sex sells. That's why. Sex does sell. If you're, it, it doesn't matter if you're selling. Um, Oh, God, what was the soda? I think it was Pepsi that had... Christy um, Brinkley at the soda pop machine. No, yes. the, the, there was another one. It had uh, Bob Dole in it, the, the politician. Oh, okay. And, uh, like, it shows this chick, and it's a soda pop commercial, and she opens it up, and she's sexy, and you really, you don't... I can't, I can't remember the soda pop. I remember the chick with the big tits, you know? And, uh, and then it snaps back to Bob Dole. He's looking at his dog going, I think we need some Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's, I mean, because there is that one, I don't know if it was Pepsi or Coke back in the day, where Chris A. Brinkley is like driving at this dirt road in the middle of nowhere, stops at this Pepsi, this, you know, and that's back when they had the glass bottles. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it comes out all like icy cold and everything, and she's drinking, and the kids are like just standing there staring at her with their mouths open. But yeah, it, it does. Sex sells. So, and I said it before, I don't, I, there is not a man alive in our generation that did not have a Christy Brinkley poster on his ceiling. Not on his wall, on his ceiling. I didn't. I had Playboy centerfolds. My angel is a centerfold. I love that song. I know, me too. So this, um, so then this is at the heart. We, we actually talked about this, about how children learn and why certain experiences are shared archetypically across culture, different cultures. People respond to what others model if it's behavior common to that species. Correct. It may also explain why media violence influences certain people. Okay. Then there was a study in media psychology published in 2006 that indicated that mirror neurons were activated in children who watched violent television programs. And the prediction was that they would be more likely than others who did not watch to act more aggressively afterwards. Um, which, okay. I had this conversation in our Citizens Brutal Nation group is they quit they quit airing Looney Tunes. Yeah. Looney Tunes is not found anymore unless you find it on HBO Max and the archives. Um because, you know, Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner and the Roadrunner dropping anvils on his head was too violent. 
Yeah. Sylvester trying to trace, chase Tweety around the house to catch himself a little bird. And I thought I saw a putty tat. I did. I did. It's too violent. See, and that's a sad thing, man. When when, right. when pussy's trying to to get something, when pussy's gets, trying to get a chick, and the chick don't let it, and the chick gives him the bird. <laughs> You're so stupid, you know. But then we will go ahead and like let them watch Power Rangers and stuff like that, which, and play Grand Theft Auto, and that too. But I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, so we're showing our kids Power Rangers, and they're going to go out and try to act out those moves, right? Some of them just don't realize that. It's only appropriate in certain situations. Well, remember that one young black kid that we did that was a huge wrestling fan? Tate. Tate, yes. Yeah. Lionel Tate. That was yes. it. Yes. And uh, he had problems in school anyway, but uh, right. you know, while his mom's upstairs taking a snooze, supposed to be babysitting- uh, Her, the, yeah, neighbor's daughter or something, yeah. Or her brother's daughter, something like that. Anyway, Lionel freaking power drives her and does these wrestling moves that yeah. he saw on wrestling and kills her. Yeah. Because it's it's mimicry and and but but he, I this is the 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 thing that that I try to stress. At the end of the day, it's up to your to parents. Like in Lionel's case, uh huh. This kid's having tons of problems in school. He's a bully. He's really just an asshole, right? You know. And instead of mom going, "Hey, man, my kid's a little dick. Maybe I need to intervene in this," she's like, "Um, I don't have time for that." Yeah, kids will be kids. Yeah, kids will be kids. Boys will be boys. You know, as a, as a parent, man, hey, fucking yeah. pay attention to your kids. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to raise their fucking kids. It's up to you. I am. If you want to oh. raise a little asshole, then fine. Just keep them away from me. <laughs> but, um, you know, keep them out of Walmart because I'm getting pretty <laughs> sick and fucking tired every time I got to get razors or, or freaking anal lube. Um, <laughs> that's my damn business. Not that kids. <laughs> that's goddamn right. Uh, mister, what are you doing? Do you have a hot sister? Well, she's eight. That wasn't my question. <laughs> Did ask you how old she was. Yeah, I don't care about her age, but yeah, now I'm interested. Where's she at? No, I, that's that's horrible. That was horrible. That was a, I, so I've been stuck on pedophile jokes lately. You I don't know it. why. It's kind of gross. <laughs> but anyways, check this out though. I mean, this is actually where some of this more comes into play here. Is that it's been found though that the more active your mirror neurons are, the more empathy we feel. So those who have broken or less active mirror neurons and watch violent programs might behave more aggressively because they don't have that inhibiting experience that comes with empathy, you know? Yeah, okay. So it's like they act out on the violence, but they don't have the empathy to be like, oh, that person hurting, you know? But this connection is actually only suggestive. It hasn't really been studied scientifically. So maybe we should do a study group on that. Well, also, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is... Um... Uh, um, behavioral conditioning. We've gone over oh, yeah. this we many times. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that many times. You know, if... Okay, so... As your child, if your parents condition you to be empathetic towards animals... Right. ...and people, then you're you're more than likely, not all the time, but there's a good chance you're going to become empathetic. Why? Because that's what you've seen. That's what you've right. been trained to do. To the reverse side, let's say that your dad is Hillbilly Joe and lives in a freaking trailer park... And it's probably married to your to to his sister, but you're not quite Why sure. Why are you describing your life right now? Oh my god! Because <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the king of the trailer park someday. That's my plan. I, I can't help but make those jokes to you. <laughs> but um, you know, and and it's you know, and he kicks dogs, right? And you know, and he's a dick to the neighbors, right? Um, and 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 this has proven itself historically, 
Right, exactly. You know, you, more than likely your kids are going to follow that same path, not right. just in the trailer park, but in school. And then as adults, they're going to fall back. And you also see that with people that use the welfare system mm-hmm. as a career choice. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Because nine times out of ten, if mama has been on welfare and just pops out a baby to, to, to re-up it every Every years, couple years. Yeah. Then... <laughs> The children are going to get that mindset like, this is my career path. Yeah. I'm going to be dancing on a pole. and Yeah. I'm going to yeah. be a pole dancer and I'm going to, you know, blow some dudes. And uh, and that could be guys blowing dudes, too. I don't fucking know. And walk know. down Burnside. And, yeah, because they can't do Sandy Boulevard. That's your beat. We saw what happened <laughs> yeah. there. That was that was scary. Yeah. With the I remember the Great Hooker Wars of 2023. <laughs> it, was, it was terrifying, man. There was like used, people were getting shaked and everything. There was there was used condoms being thrown oh, and gross. <laughs> You're so disgusting. Anal lube in the guy's eyes. I'm blind. I'm blind. And you have pink eye, bitch. It was it was terrible. I, I was scared. I was hiding behind bushes and shit, sitting there going, "Oh they god, I my hope truck door locked so they couldn't get in." It was like the purge. Oh yeah, and then like hookers are pounding on there, going, "Man, join in the fight." I'm like, "This ain't my business, man. This is not my circus. Not my monkeys. <laughs> not, my sh- um, not my monkeys." You know, and then. Like my 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 truck took like several like condoms to Sploot it. Shots. Oh yeah, it's blue shots. Um, and then one lady flew through the air and left a big snail trail down my windshield. Um, took forever to get that off. I had to send my truck to the detailer. I was I was terrified. I was terrified. And then I I, I jumped out because you know I, I like I, I just wanted to to get a soda pop and then boom I got hit in the back of the head with a freaking vibrator. <laughs> I was down for the count. I was down. It was. Uh, it, just, it was absolutely You're horrible. terrifying. You are horrible. People don't understand. This is what I hear every day, <laughs> all day long. You know, and people go, "How do you come up with these stories, Scott?" We don't know. It, it's, <laughs> I don't know. That, that just that <laughs> I like, get something in my head, and the voices in my head start talking. I was going to say one of the first con- I think because we talked to each other on the phone several times before we actually met in person, right? And. One day, I was laughing so hard, and my mom comes in, and she goes, what is so funny? I said, I don't know, Scott's just being stupid. And, she, and you go, what do you think? I, this is the first time I'm hearing it, too. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of believe you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I didn't know this, this great hooker battle of 2023 until, like, right freaking now. Just now. Just now, yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's behavior conditioning. It is, totally. Um, so you, you you see that in in all walks of life, and not just here in in the USA. You see it across the entire world. If you're in a tribe in Africa, for example, right. And if if the rule of the day is that all men hunt, and all women take care of the men and, and do things in the village, right. Then that is what you're going to more than likely do. It, 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 there's a there's a slight chance that you're going to leave the village and strike out, right? But more than likely. You're going to be like, okay, I'm a guy. I need to go and hunt, and I need to provide food for my family so my wife and my you know, kids can eat and I can eat and contribute to the well-being of the village as a whole. And if you're a woman, you're like, I need to take care of my husband and my children right, and do my part for the village as a whole. Correct. Because that is the behavioral conditioning. Right, right. Um, people think that we're better than animals, and we're not. We get trained just like dogs do. Oh, yeah, Totally. And the one thing that motivates most people is food. And a shot collar. 
<laughs> oh God, don't get me started. Oh my no, God, my I'm dog sweet. is not food motivated. He's totally praise motivated, and you know, li- little kids are praise motivated too. I've noticed. Oh, totally. I mean, the more you praise them for what they're doing, the more they want to please you because nobody wants mommy angry. I got a story. <laughs> I got a story. I got a story. So, when I was still with um, my son's mom, who I never married, I just knocked her up. We just need to keep that clear because you know there's reasons why. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Jake was maybe three months old, I think, something like that. So it was before she bailed. Um, but she had both of her kids over at my place. Mm-hmm. And her oldest one, Dominic, had gone next door and torn up some cardboard boxes on the neighbor's porch with another kid. Uh-oh. So he's there, and the neighbor comes and tells me, and I go, okay, I'll take care of this. And I said, Dominic, go to your room. And he did. And I walked in there, and he looked at me. And I went, you know? I'm not mad at you. I'm just really, really disappointed that you felt the need to do that and then lie to me. I want you to sit here and I want you to think about that. Now, he's only like five years old at the time. Right. You know, and he cried. You would swear that I took my belt off and beat him within the inch of a, within an inch of oh, his yeah. life. You know, I just say, but isn't your daughter still the same way? So all you have to do is say, Cassie, I'm really disappointed. And she like does everything she can to like rectify oh, the situation. <laughs> she will jump on that shit like before I finish the sentence. I can be disappointed in the weather. Uh, how's it going, Daddy? I'm really disappointed. Oh, my God. What did I do wrong? Nothing. Yeah. Just, that's the traffic, man. The traffic's fucked up. It's not you. You're, 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 you're fine. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, Chill exactly. the fuck out. Exactly. My yeah. oldest nephew, I mean, because this is back when spanking was okay, so I don't want people called cops on me or anything. Spanking's still okay. <laughs> well, that's a, a, di- that's a different podcast, Scott. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, Anyways, that's a totally different podcast. back when spanking was okay, because I remember one time I was sleep- I was laying on the couch in my bedroom, because um, I had enough room in my room for two queen-size water beds and a couch. Um, <laughs> anyways, I was laying on the couch Wait, in my Did you take clients there? Because there's plenty of <laughs> rooms for clients. No, fucker. Anyways... God, I can't even go on. I was laying on the couch sleeping. All of a sudden, I get hit in the forehead with a fly swatter. Oh, Jesus right? Christ. And I wake up, and my nephew, he was maybe like four years old, is just laughing his ass off. And, of course, I'm irritated. I'm, like, mad as hell because I had worked long hours. And I jump up, and I chase him through the house, right, because he's running from me. I finally catch up to him. And I, he had to have been three because I swatted him three times on his butt, right? Just three swats. Didn't close my fist, didn't use a paddle, just three swaths with my hand. And next thing I know, I go, there you go. Now, don't be throwing things at me. And I turned around. He goes, whoa, Mimi, big spank. And I go, oh, my. No, he didn't. <laughs> so I picked him up and I put him in the room and I shut the door. You would have thought I killed him. Oh, my God. And that now, yeah. he, now he has a spanking fetish. Um. <laughs> and he calls everybody Mimi. <laughs> oh, he has a- Mimi, I've been a bad boy. But yeah, he was just like, ooh, Mimi, big spank. But you could, you could, you could swat that boy on his butt and he would turn around and look at you like, whatever. But if you put him in his room or put him in the corner, you'd have thought you were killing him. Oh, yeah. Now, and like, like I said, he now has a freaking spanking <laughs> fetish. No, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> but, anyways, so check this out. I mean, because we, we were just talking about this that the mirror neurons actually show up in different areas of your brain. 
right? Mm -hmm. So they act, they activate in the face of actions that are linked to intentions with different neurons firing in different parts of the process. They stimulate the action as, of the, as, the, as if the observer is actually performing it, which is how the person understands the action and what motivated it. And there's, so there's a template in the brain that develops. This affects the degree of empathy and language as well as the ability to predict and anticipate. You know, because you and I have talked about it before. It's like when you're constantly having to look over your shoulder to find out where the violence is going to come from, you learn to, like, look at everything around you. And you can predict kind of what's going to happen by the way somebody, like, does a facial tick or something, right? Right, right. So, yet certain brain circuits also inhibit the person from actually acting out on those. You know, it's called that self-control aspect, I guess. So, according to Patricia, Dr. Patricia Greenfield for the UCLA, she's a developmental psychologist from UCLA, she says mirror neurons provide a powerful biological foundation for the evolution of culture. Now, it seems some movies, though, are so resonant that they trigger violence both towards others, as we've heard about already in these episodes, or towards themselves, which this next movie I'm going to talk about did that. Now, the movie that is most often, and I hate this mouse because it doesn't have the scroll, it, the scroll wheel doesn't work, and it's driving me nuts. So the movie most often documented for its apparent inspiration for suicide is from 1978, starring Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, John Voight, and yours and my favorite scary man, Christopher Walken. God, and it's I, I probably seen him trying to the Deer me. Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. Now um, about th it's about three friends from Pennsylvania. A guy named you know Michael, Nick, and Stephen. Well, that's why they wanted to commit suicide to begin with. They're from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> that's messed up. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I actually like Pennsylvania. No, I've never been. So. They, they enlist to fight in the Vietnam War. And it follows them as the Viet Cong torture them with a game of Russian roulette. So Nick ends up so traumatized with PTSD by his experience that he actually stays in Vietnam. He makes money by playing the, the same suicide game voluntarily. And ultimately, he kills himself. Right? That's bound to happen. I mean, yeah. It's, it's long, every time you play Russian roulette, the chances of you killing yourself are astronomical. So... Researcher Lauren Coleman actually documents a number of suicides that were reportedly inspired by Deer Hunter. And it's the way they copied the famous scene with Nick reenacting his torture. In addition, Coleman says that other research about how the movie screenings in specific theaters, video rentals, or showings on television correlate with a rash of suicides. Right? So... Children who actually imitated the Russian roulette scene were likely just curious, but the older teens tended to be depressed or tempting some sort of bravado for their friends. One man who actually reenacted that scene was a police officer. Many of the victims shot themselves in front of others, usually friends or relatives, and they often stated their influence from the film. Now, for example, in 1980, an article in the New Orleans paper called The Times, oh God, I always miss, P-I-C-A-Y-U-N-E. P-U-A. P-I-C-A-Y-U-N-E. Picune? Yeah, let's just go with that. I think it's Picune. I mean, because I, I know I've heard it pronounced before, but um, I know anything from New Orleans is just pronounced weird anyways, because, uh, you know, them Creoles. Um, <laughs> described how 23-year-old Mickey Culpepper said to a friend, look, I'm going to play deer hunter before he shot himself with a 38. 
Now, even worse than that, on October 8th of 1980, a man was kidnapped near the World Trade Center and tortured by men intending to rob him as they reenacted that Viet Cong torture scene. Right? So the movie-related suicides occurred in other countries as well, including the Philippines, Finland, Lebanon, and other places, and a Secret Service agent apparently shot himself while viewing an HBO showing of the film, but he survived. I mean, what kind of... You're a Secret Service agent. You are trying to take the bullet for somebody. What would you, why would you reenact this film? Unless it's just this bravado thinking you can't be harmed. No, you're a Secret Service agent. How the hell do you miss your own damn head? <laughs> secret agent man. No, no, that's not the lyrics. It's secret Asian man. <laughs> secret not. Asian man. That's me every time I eat Chinese food. I become a secret Asian man. <laughs> you're so stupid. No, but it, I mean, that makes it makes you wonder, it's like, how did you get into the Secret Service? Because there's like a lot of psychological exams that go into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't even be a cop anymore without certain psychological exams. Like the ability to beat up on people. <laughs> that's just a prerequisite. <laughs> yeah, that's a pre. Matter of fact, this is a weird thing here in the U.S., you know, like um, you've never been to, to England, but um, like no. if you go on the Jack the Ripper tour. Yeah. At the end of the tour. They, t- they sit there and they tell you, they go, and he's killed up to five people. Like, Dude, that, yeah, that, if you kill five <laughs> people here in the U.S., they make you a cop. <laughs> That's right. I know because we talked about how the federal guidelines now for serial murder is two. And it's like, Dude, that's every Sunday in Portland. Yeah, like, no, you're obviously good at killing. Here's a badge and a gun. I wanted to be an engineer. Well, now you're a cop. <laughs> that's right. You ain't going to build bridges. You're I actually a, I got that from officer. a comedian, and I can't remember what the hell his name was offhand. I wish I could because he's freaking hilarious. But he had said that, and I, I spit coffee through my nose when he said that. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I know. Just like, just like, because I love Cat Williams, and he says stupid shit like that all the time. And every time I watch him, I mean. I wish my friend listened to this podcast, but she doesn't like to delve into the mind of serial killers like we do. Ah. But she like every time her and I get together, we'll go, poor little tink tink. <laughs> but you have to listen. Cat Williams understand that. Actually, I, I, uh, the video that you sent me uh, yesterday. Have you seen I, it before? No, I, I let it roll and it went through a ton of Cat Williams stuff. It's freaking hilarious. Isn't he hilarious? Because he makes fun of himself and his culture but he also makes fun of whites and white people culture because he says, you know what? He goes, white people, stop putting leashes on your children because I don't care who you are. That's some funny shit. And we're going to laugh at you. And then he goes, black women, stop beating your kid because they asked for a candy bar in the store. Because right. that's why people judge you. <laughs> and it's very, very accurate. Yeah, very accurate. I make fun of white people all the time. And my, my newest kick is making fun of the, uh, the uh, very politically correct liberals that live here. In the Pacific in Northwest. In the Pac-NW. Pack North, pack right. And, 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 okay, so hear me out. Hear me out. Because I've had this before. Judge I'm him. Like, <laughs> you can't use the word Mexican. It's Hispanic. Well, my friends, so I got friends from Mexico. Yeah. They are Mexican. They will straight up. No, you're not looking for Latino food. You're looking for Mexican. It's okay if they say Mexican, not you. Yeah, them are the woke people, though. Yeah, that's the woke people. Yeah. And uh, I think that when I go get my, my hunting license this year, that I should be able to get a tag for woke people. <laughs> you know what? I agree. Because you and I have talked about this before, and we've even talked about it with Marissa. It's like nothing is more offensive than somebody being offended for another race or minority. You know right. what I mean? For because no fucking reason. Exactly. It's like, okay, so if, for instance, 
I'm a white, pasty white bitch. Okay? Yeah, yeah, you are. So I, if I, somebody's sitting there calling me a cracker or a honker, when I'm like, whatever, unless they're being really negatory about it, then I'm like, come say that to my face. I will punch you. You know, but I don't reduce to calling them culturally, you know, expletives or whatever. Racial slurs. However, nothing offends me more than if somebody's walking down the street and be like, how dare you call her a honky bitch? I'm like, bitch, I'm a bitch and I know I'm a bitch. Don't get on, you know. It's like, don't try to be offended for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hate right. that. Right, right, right. I do. And I mean, and I heard, um, what's his name? Brad Williams, the the little comedian. <laughs> The Bites Nice Snickers comedian. He's really a small person. Well, are we talking like freaking... Um, um... Brad Williams, yes, he is a little person. Oh, Brad, yeah, Brad, Brad Williams. No, I love, I love yeah. that midget. And he's the one that talks about specifically, he goes, you know what? I'm a little person. My parents raised me to fight for myself. I don't need you fighting for me, you know? And, I mean, it just made a whole lot of sense to me. But at the same time, where was I? Oh, you were right here. Shut up. And I'm right there. I got to pop a door and get more coffee. So yeah, please you give continue me some on. coffee too. I made another pot. Jesus so I Christ. I just became out. an executive assistant to my executive assistant. Fuck me. You know what? You're getting up and I'm explaining. So here you go. So often these in <laughs> that's man explaining. Explaining is man explaining. Just let me know. My son said I was mom explaining the other day. <laughs> but often these incidents occurred while drinking. Or in a show of macho. But some... <laughs> Scott's over here pouting his chest like a gorilla. <laughs> but some accidents did result from someone just attempting to demonstrate something about the scene. But one incident clear, was clear a, a murder. A prison guard in Rhode Island shot a prisoner while they discussed the scene and reportedly tried to get other guards to play the game with him as well. So whether it's violence against oneself or towards others, this movie clearly had an influence on somebody. And it stands to reason that violent imagery will affect certain people in a way that inspires them to act out. From the story that affects them, they acquire a frame of frame and guidelines and sometimes even interpret the film as a license to kill. Not everyone will be thus affected but among those who are it's safe to say it's such things as that copycat effect from the, you know the mirror neurons that we were talking about. So when the portrayal of violence grips a person so firmly that he or she decides to follow those details to a specific like exactly the way it was, has that movie made them kill? No, but it has given them the idea and the method and perhaps even a potential victim, right? Thank you. And we can see that just such things have occurred and are likely to continue to occur. You know, because like I said, we've said it before, guns don't actually, you can't lay a gun on the table and it's going to kill somebody, right? Right. I have plenty of guns and none of them have killed anybody on their own. No, no, right? No, totally not. Um... However, when somebody picks up that gun and, you know, what are you cocking over there? That's none of your goddamn business. I was going to say, your BB gun's right here, so. Um, but anyways, you know, so we, we talked about this before. And what I don't understand is, and I mean, and I don't even want to get into gun control or anything like that. But when somebody goes out there and commits murder, is it the weapon's fault or the movie's fault? No, somebody made the choice to do it. Because when somebody goes out and drives drunk, we don't blame the car and the other person. That's true. We blame the person who, and we don't even really blame the alcohol. 
We blame the person who consumed the alcohol. Yeah, because I, I've been drunk plenty of times. Go figure. I know. Nobody would ever guess that I, that I drink. You drink? Yeah, I know. It's just because, I, you know, damn, I, I, go, to, I go to church you. and I you know pray to Jesus. And mm-hmm. I don't. I, I would never drink or do the marijuana as the devil's Scott, just lettuce. because you say, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> your gardener does not mean you pray to Jesus. Close enough. That's same, same, same. Same, same. same. See this right here? Same, same. <laughs> we are whores. Same, same. <laughs> Craig still talks about that occasionally. He goes, I can't believe you and Scott like say things at the same time. I'm like, I know. It's disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so that's where that's where a lot of people are at. So then you have in July of 2007, a girl actually participated in a triple homicide in Canada. Due to her age, Canadian media sources observed the Youth Criminal Justice Act and declined to reveal her name, which I kind of get. But it has turned up in many international reports. In April 23, 2006, in a town in southeastern Alberta called Medicine Hat. What a weird name for no, a town. No, I know exactly where that is. Well, yeah, but what a weird name for a town, right? The parents and younger brother of Jasmine Richardson were discovered murdered in their home. A six-year-old friend came to the house early on Sunday afternoon and saw the body through a window and, alert- and told his mother, who called the police. Everybody's always telling someone's mom. Always. Quit telling my mom. Fucking snitches. I'm not sharing my ball with you anymore. That's as bad as my daddy's bigger than your daddy. I, well, I'll share my ball with your sister, but not you. <laughs> You're so stupid. But she's only two. It don't matter. <laughs> they at least got to be five. Oh, now it's five. <laughs> yeah, I have standards. So. You're <laughs> so stupid. Especially for Asian girls. You're so stupid. So when the police arrived and noticed that 48-year-old Deborah... Richardson was at the foot of the basement stairs and she was covered in blood and she was stabbed 12 times. Her husband, Mark, was stabbed twice as many times, so 24 times all over his face and abdomen and and his crotch. Okay, he bled out so much there was little blood left in his body. But from the spatters all over the TV room, it was clear he had put up a fight. Then eight year old Jacob was found in his bed with his throat cut. Now, detectives sent for the forensic unit to process the scene, and they brought dogs to go through the home, and a white truck sat in the driveway with a smashed window, and another truck belonging to the family was found off the property. Thank God it wasn't my, van, my panel van, my white panel van. I know. I'm, I'm so glad, because weren't you in there in 2006? Probably, yeah. <laughs> so items in the home indicated that there was also a 12-year-old girl who lived there named Jasmine who was missing. Now, police did not know if she'd been adopted, so they issued a country... A countrywide warrant for her, like either a missing person warrant or, you know, like bring in for hold for questioning type thing. So come to find out. And I don't remember if we covered this one. You guys covered this or not when I was out. You might have or either that or I read it, bought it before and wanted to cover it. But friends of Jasmine said that she had a 23 year old boyfriend named Jeremy Steinke. <laughs> S-T-E-I-N-K-E. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Allen Steinke. And, and so they they pointed the authorities to Saskatchewan, where this guy supposedly lived. And they and the authorities went and found Jasmine very much alive with Jeremy. Now, he was an unemployed high school dropout. He was confis- considered an unofficial, quote, leader of this group of goth punks. So I would say, like, you know, the trench coat mafia type thing. You know how they... Like the goth punks from school. I mean, it's I not think our we generation. may have covered that. You might have. God, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I think so. I think we did. Yeah, because I mean, 
because our generation not so much, but in a couple generations after us, goth became very popular. And it was a way for the antisocials to have a social group. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So these two were arrested, and they were sent back to Medicine Hat. Now, Jasmine was sent to Calgary Young Offender Center to await a trial, but because her boyfriend was over 21, he went to jail. Within days, she actually wrote a letter to her family saying she was sorry and she had taken part in their their murder. She wrote that she wished she could, quote, take it all back because now she, quote, had no one. She said her brother was killed because he was too sensitive to survive without her parents, and she is the one that choked him to death. You know, choked him until he was unconscious. And then supposedly this all occurred because she was had reacted badly to being grounded for dating Stanky behind her parents' back. Okay, you're what, 17 years old? And you're dating a 23-year-old? What's wrong with that? Okay, it's not really that appropriate. It isn't? Oh, my God. You and I are going to box. Oh, no, excuse me. She's 12, and he's 23. My bad. Oh, no, okay, on a serious note, that's a bit freaking different. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, 17 and 23 is not as bad as 12 and 23. Yeah, okay. So, anyways, um, in seventh grade, I guess it wouldn't have been 17, huh? <laughs> so, they told her she could no longer see him. But she had already agreed to marry him when he asked her, and so she was determined to be with him, you know. Usually when that's why you never tell your child, I don't want you dating that person because they will do everything they can to date that person. Oh, totally. You know, you act like you like them no matter what. (laughs) And eventually, you know, we ran into this with somebody else we know and his girlfriend that recently broke up. Remember? Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, I won't mention names, but yeah, it was like, you know, the more we talked about how we didn't like her, the more he wanted to be with her. Well, we, we 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 talked about it. We never went to him and that's said, true. "Hey, man, that's true, your girlfriend's but... garbage." <laughs> no, but I mean, the first time they broke up, you guys were like, "Oh, man, you'll be all right." But maybe it's for the best. Blah blah blah. And then two minutes later, he's back with her, and you're like, "Fuck!" Because <laughs> that was a bizarre thing, man. Jesus. I mean, like, literally, here's how it went down. I get a message from her, and she doesn't ever never talk to me, which is good. I didn't want to talk to her either. And she goes, "Hey." Take care of your friend. I don't want to call him out. Yeah, no. You know, because I think he's suicidal. We just broke up. And then meanwhile, he's like, yeah, we broke up, but I'm so sad. Okay, well, we're going to get through it. And then literally 10 minutes later. Another text. <laughs> we're back together. Everything's fine. We're going to get married. Oh, my God. I'm like, you know what? You're, you're the reason why I solely I, I, I support abortions. <laughs> you almost made me spit my coffee out my nose because <laughs> I cannot imagine him getting married right now. Um, anyways, so like I said, um, so she actually urged him to help her get rid of her family. They developed this romantic bond and it was their fixation on the golf culture. And he even claimed, and this might actually play into the next series of shows we're going to do, that he was a 300 year old, not butterfly, werewolf. Um, Ah, werewolves of London. They both were very active in the chat, you know, the website chat group called vampirefreaks.com. And he reportedly wore a vial of blood around his neck at all times. Oh, you know, kind of like Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie back in the day. (laughs) You know, they didn't have wedding rings when they got married. They just had vials of each other's blood around their neck. So Jasmine actually referred to herself on another site called and she called herself the runaway devil. They shared an appreciation for razor blades, serial killers, 
Oh my god. Vampires and Scott, it's you and I. And blood. <laughs> yes. I'm not the razor blade so much, but serial killers, vampires, and blood, that's like you and I totally. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm all over that. They would soon learn that murder wasn't just a fantasy. Now, during their trial, um, some facts about Jasmine came out that kind of gave people an idea of her state of mind. Not only did she and her boyfriend, you know, like associate with the darker side of goth culture, because, you know, there's goth goth culture. I can't even talk today. And then there's like the dark side where they have a fixation on death and monsters and vampires and like, I mean, because they literally have a vampire culture where people will consume each other's blood consensually, you know. Right. So Oliver Stowe, and so they they also attribute their crimes to natural-born killers. Now, Oliver Stone, we talked about, produced that movie in 1994, and it was engorged. I mean, anybody who's ever seen natural-born killers. It's engorged in my pants. No, it is like full of violence from minute one. You know, there's like no, and it, then it's like, it's almost like a documentary type movie. Not, but not like Poughkeepsie tapes that's so kind of believable. Um, <laughs> this one is just like gratuitous violence that didn't have to take place. Now, Mickey and Mallory, you know, we talk about Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis. They were actually based on, inspired by Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate, which you covered. Now, throughout this film, this movie, they, can, they killed over 52 people, including like massacres with more than one victim. Then they start with the slaughter of Mary's, Mallory's abusive parents. They drown the one by drowning and the other by burning, but they spare the younger brother. One can see how an angry couple who embrace a death culture and find parents an annoying hindrance might see this film as their their right to do whatever they want to like be together. You know, but we have to remember in if you have ever seen Natural Born Killers, Mallory's father was very sexually abusive to her so much so that he didn't even want her going out anywhere he was also played by Rodney Dangerfield by the way yes I know which is really bizarre you know having Rodney in that kind of like gross kind of you know what I mean I don't know he Rodney Dangerfield always reminded me of somebody who would be a sexual like pervert molesting kids and I I liked him as a comedian I love Rodney Dangerfield if you don't know who Rodney Dangerfield is then you're you're too freaking young you're too freaking young and maybe you need to show some respect that's right back in my day can't get no respect that's right. Back in my day, we knew who Rodney Dangerfield was, so shut your hole. That's right. Look him up. <laughs> Watch something with him in it. You'll, you'll be forever changed. So while her apology letter was not read to the jury, it was deemed to have been gained via improper interrogation protocols. Now, jurors did see a drawing found in her locker that showed four stick figures. Oh, she draws like me. <laughs> One is a middle-sized figure throwing gasoline on the other three with a smile lights a match, and then runs to a vehicle labeled Jeremy's truck. Now, in addition, the two had exchanged letters after their arrest and indicated they wished they had run away together. There's no indication, though, in those communications that Jasmine was ever remorseful or an unwilling accomplice. She had also stolen her mother's ATM card that night, got money, and had sex with Jeremy, all pointing to a callous attitude, which would make her apology letter more of a I'm sorry I got caught type of thing, right? Which we've seen in some people, you know? A true psychopath isn't sorry they committed the murders. They're just sorry they got caught. 
Does that make sense? No, uh, totally, totally, totally. Because yeah, we talked about that. I mean, we don't, but a lot of people talk about that with Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy wasn't upset that he killed anybody. Ted Bundy was upset because he got caught killing people, you know, and could no longer get away with it. Now, Tim Foster was Jasmine's attorney. He accepted the idea that Jasmine might have actually been very active in chat rooms about killing her parents, but said that she did not mean what she said, nor would she have literally done it. He painted the picture as that Steinke had gotten high on cocaine. And he was stanky. He did, stanky. He didn't, he didn't take showers or nothing. <laughs> That's right. He got high on cocaine, watched Natural Born Kiro, Kiros, Natural Born Killers, and then fell into the role of Mickey protecting and rescuing Mallory or, or Jasmine from her family. The idea was his alone as was the act, and she, too, was a victim. She just didn't know how, I mean, in order to protect herself, she had to go along with it, right? Right. So when she took the stand in her own defense and said that her boyfriend was the killer, she cried profusely when she was asked about choking and stabbing her brother and said that Jeremy had made her do it as her brother begged for his life. She said she had the knife in her hand for self-defense, but he had taken it and slit her brother's throat. Okay, I don't know, man. I think as much as I don't, even my older brother, I don't get along with. I think if somebody was trying to tell me to kill my brother, I'd kill them. Yeah, no, me too. We, we've you talked know, about that with my yeah, brother. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know, and yes, he might be high and everything, but if you and your brother, like, blitz him, he's not going to know what's coming. You oh, know, totally. throw the kid at him, stab him. <laughs> you know. So while the prosecutor did concede that maybe Jasmine did not gauge in the actual acts of murder herself, but she did persuade and encourage Jeremy to do them, telling him how much, how, which window he could come into, which one would be unlocked for entering the home. Um, and then she actually willingly fled the house with him. She was eligible for the murder. Therefore, she was eligible for the murder conviction. And he urged the jurors to remember that she took an active part. So on July 9, 2007, the jury deliberated for over four hours. They finally convicted her on three counts of first-degree murder. And she cried, they said. Because under the Canadian law, though, she cannot receive an adult sentence. So she only faced a maximum of six years and four years probation for murdering her family. Now, he was on trial. He went on trial the following year. And he didn't, you know, and as of the time... You know, that I was gathering this information. He hadn't been entered a plea or gotten convicted yet. But she was the youngest person to be convicted of multiple murder in Canadian history. She was 12. For that matter. Huh? Damn. Yeah, so she's actually the youngest person in North American history to be convicted of that many murders. Now, then there's the case of, um, this is my last little, um, uh, you're scenario. Stumbling. You okay? Yeah, no, I, I had to scroll down again in my, I told you the scroll bar doesn't work on my mouse and I get, I forget. And it sort of like jumps up three pages instead of going down one, you know. So as we mentioned earlier in this article, there is, I mean, in this presentations, there was a case of Donald Gonzalez. Um, that's because on August 9th, 2007, he actually killed himself in England's Broadmoor Hospital and he managed to do it in a very strange way way now he was only 24 years old when he was convicted of murdering four people and the attempted murder of two others during a three-day frenzy of drugs and violence and 
he carried this out in Sussex and North London in September 2004. Now, he apparently wanted to see what it would be like to be Freddy Krueger, right? The nice man. Sweet. Uh, please tell me he had some cool, like, uh, um, snarky things to say, like, how sweet, dark mean, or it's the chair for you, kid. I know, you know what? You're I don't paralyzed know. paralyzed kid. And Freddy Krueger had some of the weirdest things. Remember when he, okay, in the first one, and then they do it in the, um, the one that's the like the actors portraying themselves after, oh, because they're being yeah, haunted yeah. by what they did in the film, kind of like the poltergeist hunting. Yeah, I can't remember which one that was, but I know yeah. which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I can't remember what it, what it's called. But in the first movie, remember when she answers the phone and he says something to her, and then his like lips and tongue come out of the receiver and like lick her face. Oh yeah, you that hear. is still haunting hey, to you me. You hear, hello Nancy, and then blah, 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 yeah, it's like, blah, 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 and then they do it again in that uh, that re- that um. Yeah, where they play themselves. And it's That's like, kind of hot, actually. Oh. <laughs> I would love it if I had a female calling me up going, Hello, Scotty. Blah, blah, blah. Hold on. That, that phone's got to be way lower. <laughs> way well, lower. Well, that's back when we had the receivers and the long cords. That wasn't even cordless telephone era. <laughs> I want to share something with you, man, because I really wish that I had a landline. Really? Still to this day? I do, and let me tell you why. Because I've had some business calls lately. Oh, that- you want to slam the receiver down? <laughs> You, you you can't make a point by slamming the end call button you on your smartphone. You can't. I would love to be able to yell at some of the people that I do business with that are well that are brand new to dealing with me, who sit there and say stupid shit like "We'll pay you thirty dollars an hour," stupid shit like that. Like, um, my terms are my terms. Yes, yeah, because I've had that <laughs> argument with brand new producers. You know, as like, uh, no, uh, you need to read my union contract and what I get paid. You know, but you could do it just this one time, and I get frustrated really easy with idiots. Yeah, you kind of do. You know, and it, being pissed off and just hitting the end button, I'm out of here. Put me in hit the. That's a, nothing's as good as sitting there yelling, going, number one, you're a goddamn moron, and then slam that phone down because then you yes. can walk away with pride. You go, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. No, my my best friend's dad, when he was live, he had a landline up until he died. And he would, every time he got a call from a telemarketer, he would notice there was a telemarketer and he goes, drop it, slam. <laughs> it was like, you go. <laughs> you go, pa. Um, anyways, uh, he, and so we all know Nightmare on Elm Street. We all know Freddy Krueger. If you don't, then you need to go back to the 80s. And he had just started, this guy just started I mean, the Gonzalez randomly just started attacking people. He stabbed his victims several times, some on the streets, some in their homes. And his goal was to actually kill 10 because he believed that would ensure that people remembered him forever. And he hoped to be known as a famous serial killer the way people thought of Freddy. What was it going to be? The Freddy Krueger murders? You know? How lame. <laughs> Stupid. Now, people who don't know, but Nightmare on Elm Street was actually released in 1984, and it was straight to video. And right? amazing. It was. It was like the biggest hit on the lowest budget for a horror film, but it released straight to video and became an instant success. Scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Oh, yeah. To this day, I won't take a bath, and I do not like waterbeds. Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> when he sucked, when he when he sucked Johnny Depp down into that bed, and then the fountains of blood spurted out, it was over. I thought that was freaking awesome. That man. was that was really cool. But yeah, and then when he like when she fell asleep in the bathtub, and he tried to drown her by sucking her down into the tub, 
It was a deeper tub than what she got into. That kind of freaked me out, too. No, that was awesome. That was awesome, awesome. Anyways. So, anyways, um, it's won a number of also gruesome sequels. We talked about this. And even a comic book series. Now, all of them featured Demented Frezzy. Frezzy. Freddy with his razor-sharp claws. It's set in a fictional town in Ohio with a girl named Tina has a nightmare about a man with a badly scarred face. That's the first victim, remember? He was... It was. I thought. You it- know, that's the, yeah. That's the one that she kept having the nightmare, and then she was in bed with her boyfriend, the kind of like the rebel guy, and she started having the nightmare, and they blamed him and arrested him. Remember? Because he, I mean, Freddie threw her around like a rag doll oh, across the ceiling. Got- oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was yeah. a blonde. Yeah, and then Nancy started having the nightmares too of Tina in the hallway. In, right. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. In the I remember body now. Bag. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Just I could like almost recite it. But anyways, she started having these nightmares about this guy wearing a glove with sharp knives attached, stalking her. He then slashes at her, and when she wakens, she finds the rips in her nightgown where the monster had slashed at her. And the next dream state, she's actually caught and killed, but she doesn't wake up because she's actually dead. Now, her boyfriend, you know, we just talked about, was pinned for the murder, and the nightmare then infects a female friend, and when sleep therapy fails to alleviate it, a story emerges that the nightmare vision is in the ventral projection of a dead man killed by the parents of the children he molested. Right. Right? Because the whole town got together and burned this guy because they knew... Because he was just a child molester, not a child killer, that the law would go easy on him, basically. And it's true. Um, however, he killed children, though. No, he only he didn't kill the children that he molested. He killed the children of the parents later in the dream stage. You sure? I thought I thought he was killing kids. Well, I thought he was. Well, he might have been. Yeah, because like I remember, I think it may have been Nightmare on Elm Street three. I think that it that's was. where it was. That yeah, that he was just a, he was a child killer, oh. and uh, down in his boiler room with his knife hands, because all these souls were like attached mm. to his body when he takes his yeah yeah I uh, remember that off. one now. I was yeah. gonna say I didn't I didn't like watch the two three I watched the one with the psych hospital where he finds out who his mother and she was raped. Um, right, I think that's I think that was four. four? Yeah, I want I want to go with four on that yeah. one. Yeah, I mean because like I said, the two and three were kind of. Uh, one was like the best one. Oh my god! Shut your whore mouth. Three was awesome. You wonder why? Was that the one with the kids in the in the psych hospital in, and, or whatever, where he takes them through the TV? Uh huh. And yeah. and Dawkin played the oh, song "Dream right. Warrior." Yeah, that's right. I was gonna say freaking Dawkin. Okay, Dawkin is a hair metal band from like the seventies and eighties, yes. man. And I've actually gotten to meet Don Dawkin before, mm. like when I was a teenager. Oh wow. Um. Because he he was uh, playing guitar and uh, and knew my buddy Fred's uh, stepdad. Oh, okay. And really, once again, a really hella cool guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it was it's freaking Dawkin, man. Yeah, we're the Dream Warriors. Well, I know that. I mean, that is a good song too. It is, man. Right, and but I mean, and if people have actually watched this movie, it does really blur the lines between reality and dream because your dreams are coming to life you know what i mean so it might very well have appealed to somebody who is diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic because they paranoid schizophrenic already have the inability to distinguish reality from fantasy right correct so just months before he went on this rampage he actually begged his doctors to lock him up he's like dude i'm crazy you need to keep me 
confined. Kind of like Kara Cole. Kara Cole and one more that was recent um, in Malala. Um, was it Malala? No, it was Esticada. Where this, uh, so there, there, yeah, there I, a- you covered that one alone because we, we couldn't make it. We couldn't record that. That was the guy who killed his mom or whatever. Decapitated her and then took her head grocery yeah. shopping and then assaulted a store employee. Yeah. Um, he had done the same thing. Like He had turned all of his guns in mm-hmm. and literally said, look, I'm going to start doing bad things. I feel it because he had mental issues. Um, you and know, you need to help me. You yeah, Please. And he was actually begging for help. And they're like, oh, you're going to be fine. Get out of here. Yeah. Kind of like Carol Cohen. We thought that that bullshit ended back in the freaking 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, the but 70s. No. But here we no. are. In, like, this happened in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're still doing that. Oh, run along, you little scamp. You'll yeah. be just here, fine. Here's a train ticket to Sacramento. Go go do your rampage down there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and no, he ended up, deca- he killed his dog, which that kind of depresses me more than the mom. Um, Cause the bitch didn't shut up. No more. Shut up. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up. I know. Well, because that's why Edmund Kemper, when he finally he finally killed his mother in the end, because he thought he would finally stop hearing her voice if he cut out her larynx and shove it down a garbage disposal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it still didn't like stop the voices in his head. Hmm. Oh, there's all kinds of voices in my head that tell me to do naughty things. I know. I the Asian girls. Oh my god. Anyways, so anyways. He did. He, like, begged for help, and nobody helped him. So two days before he committed his first murder, he actually ran naked out into the streets, left a jump, like, a bunch of knives strewn about his kitchen, and his mother called for help, right? However, even though his mother called for help, he had went out, and it's like the story from the Times online says that he had set out to malinger a mental illness so that if he was stopped before achieving his goals, he'd be free in eight to ten years. So he would, according to this newspaper article, he was making up this mental illness so that he would have an insanity defense. Right? Okay. And, I mean, I kind of can see people doing that, but really? Like that? Hey, man, the dude had plans, man. And you know sure. what? He's, he, he thought it out. I appreciate that. There's so few killers think their shit out. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. sad. They don't think anything out. I mean... They don't even think about the fact that they need to call us first. Exactly. I want the exclusive on. If you're a serial right. killer out there listening, you don't even have to give us our na- your, your your name. Just make a freaking fake email account. That's right. Do it from like a, a freaking library or something like that. Dude, totally, totally. Send us an email. We'll give Internet you the, cafe. We don't care. Yeah. We'll send you the call-in number. Give us an exclusive. Yeah. You know, just let us know you're going to be there first. And so we'll be there. <laughs> You know, just to document it for you. Don't worry. Um, so anyways, in fact, when he was in school, he was, they, they brought up, the prosecution brought up the fact that when he was in school, he was a very accomplished actor and thespian. Not lesbian, thespian. I want to be, I, I'm definitely a lesbian. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I was a thespian, but I don't want to get into that with you right now. No, he, I even told classmates that he would be famous someday, you know? I'm going to be famous. I'm famous in my own mind. Now, his hobby had been knife throwing, and his favorite words were murder, kill, death. Wait, was he in Canada? 187, yeah. Okay. You no, he why was I... in England. Oh, England. That's right. Well, mm-hmm. they, they share a lot of commonalities with Canada. Can, a. Can, yeah, a. Canada has this sport that is very popular. It's called axe throwing. Oh, totally. And the lumberjack. Yeah. Yes. So uh, it doesn't surprise games. me. He's like, they throw axes. I'm going to throw knives because yeah. if I'm carrying around 50 axes, people are going to notice. Right. Well, and Murder, Death, Kill is actually from the movie. Um, 
shit, it's that one futuristic base. It's got Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone, and they have him on ice. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's uh, I'm, 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 I've seen it too. I know, and it's like so they put Sylvester Stallone, the cop, who like you know supposedly all these people died under his watch, and so they put him on ice too. And then when Wesley Snipes break free, they woke him up, and the computer cut. You know, nobody was allowed to carry guns in that time, that future, and toilet paper was weird. <laughs> And every time somebody swore, they got a ticket. Remember? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I cannot remember the name of it. But it was like, that. that's from that movie, Murder, Death, Kill, 187. So he suffered from coordination disorders, though, and the inability to, and he wasn't able to write coherently, which frustrated him. But that kind of lends more credence to the fact that he was paranoid schizophrenic. You know? Okay, yeah. So he was also a chronic bedwetter. <laughs> you know. Bedwetting little fucker. That trifecta. So while he was intelligent and well-spoken, he was disruptive and other kid, he was bullied by other children. So he set out to show them who he was and they had misjudged him. So in a high security facility after he was sentenced, he was considered one of the most da- dangerous patients there. He was capable of extreme violence and aggression that was totally unprovoked. And he'd once chewed through the veins and arteries on his arm which required him to go through emergency transfusions and he was on suicide watch a lot now his victims included an elderly couple an elderly woman and a middle-aged man the two men who survived his knife attacks were around 60 so you know he's your dating pool scott men and women how about that you are a whore Am I a tw- I know you tell me that all the time. <laughs> You're a twat. So, twat. Now, he was 26 years old when he was actually found in his cell on August 9th with his wrists slashed open. And apparently he had shattered a CD or a CD box and used the sharp edges to cut his wrists. Now, of one source, though, who asked to remain anonymous said, not many people will mourn his passing as he was difficult at best. He had even laughed in court over a letter of his read by the prosecutor to prove the disdain he held for his victims. Uh, a newspaper quoted relatives of the deceased as finding relief in his suicide, and a doctor of one victim hoped he had died a, quote, slow and painful death. However, his death didn't hinder Freddy Krueger, so pro- but it might probably stop this young man who was actually called by the media Knife Nut. So, knife nut, knife nut. Oh my god, I've been yeah. co- they've I've had a lot of comments about my nuts, but never knife nut until now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta work out how to work that one into the conversation now. No, but you know, so it's like, I mean, you and I talked about this off the air too because we have long discussions about you know, psychopathy of people and you know how we we've kind of gotten those aha moments when we're doing things. And I just think that I'm not going to say movies make people kill because they don't. But I do believe that there are some people with the inability to process what they're seeing as fantasy. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I still don't think it's a viable defense ever. No, I don't. You know, I really do not think that at all, because I can go around and say I dropped an anvil on your head because I saw the Roadrunner do it. (laughs) And I always root for the Roadrunner. Well, you, of course, root for Wiley Coyote. I do, man. Poor Coyote. (laughs) Poor guy can't even get a bird to eat. (laughs) Here's the thing. This is what I don't understand about Wiley Coyote, okay? 
you have all this money to spend on Acme products. <laughs> all these, yeah, all these explosives. And, and Acme everything. literally has everything in the world. Why don't you just order a Roadrunner dinner? <laughs> I don't know. Have it shipped so, to you from Amazon Fresh? <laughs> yeah, you could probably use it from Uber Eats or, or, or you know, like DoorDash. But even back then, like maybe, maybe you just order it from Acme and they deliver it, and then you throw it in your microwave. You know, or your oven, and you go, hey, you know what, Roadrunner, have at it. I'm not running into a fake, you know, tunnel that you drew on the wall. (laughs) That's right. That you can run through, but I can't. (laughs) No, I mean, it's totally, it's like, you know, yeah, he, you know, and this is what I don't understand is how good was his credit that they just sent himself willy-nilly. No, Ken, without having a job. (laughs) I know. His main goal was to freaking kill this Roadrunner. Yeah. But no, so that's all of it for that's this whole series now. So, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. The next series, though, you have to turn in for the next one. It's going to be about four episodes. <laughs> but it, the first two, I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, me but too. Yeah, you need you need to turn into that one because it's it's pretty much like the psychopathy of people too with Sweet. multiple cases. Wait, let's wrap this one up. I want some food. I know, me too. I can smell the beans. Mm, no, that's not beans. Ew, I got farts. You're so disgusting. You're making me hummus day. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys and girls. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Uh, check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Get onto Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Join the chat. We, you know, we, we try to post a lot of questions and have some in-depth yeah. conversations. And, you know, you, you don't have to agree with us. Argue. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's just, it's a good time. It's fun for all. We're all adults. You know, just, you know, don't bitch at me for my bad jokes. Or do, because I'll defend my bad jokes. It's just, this is what it is. You know, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> he will go to his grave defending his bad jokes. God dang right. Uh, let's see. Citizens of Brutal Nation. We have an Etsy account with all kinds of t-shirts for serial yep. killers, as well as Sasquatches. Sasquatches me. Yeah, that being, you know, Tammy. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, that's, I think that's it. I think you're right. Yeah, that sounds right. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.